Almost. 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 Major. 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 Holy fucking shit, this is major! Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Almost Major, where we talk about the many major studios and the films they release. We are on our 1980s New Line miniseries. My name is Kevin Tudor. I'm here with Charlie Nash. Hello. And Bryden Doyle. Hello. And joining us is our super special guest. Uh, are you the editor-in-chief at Pace Magazine? Is that? Uh, I'm actually editor-in-chief of Jezebel. Jezebel. Uh, that's right. No. Okay. Uh, yeah. Editor, editor of movies at uh, Pace Magazine. Okay, that's where I got excited. Uh, Jacob Muller, how are you, sir? Joining us once again. I'm good. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, for just a rip roaring of a time, which is Lucky Stiff from 1988. Um, released, I think, on November 4th, 1988. Um, I saw two sources that said November 1st, but I looked that up and that was a Tuesday, so I'm just going to go with November 4th. Not a lot is that I could find about this movie. I couldn't figure out how many theaters it went to, the budget, how much money it made, or anything. So... But top five films that weekend was They Live, You Two Rattle and Hum, Everybody's All American, which I've I don't think I've heard of that, The Accused, and Halloween Four: The Return of Michael Myers. Wow, I've seen those first two movies, They Live and Rattle and Hum. I watched Rattle and Hum for my documentary resolution this year. Uh, All right, yeah, I mean, if you like eighties U two like I do, that 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 will be like good. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, my dad loves U two. I saw Rattle and Hum like. <laughs> Very young. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that They Live was ever number one at the box office. That rules. Hey, I didn't know any Carpenter was like ever number one. That's pretty surprising. Yeah. Besides like Ghosts of Mars, that was like made like half a half a billion, right? That was like number one like all summer. When did that come out? That had to yeah, have been like November. Everybody was talking about the Ghosts of Mars. That's where the... <laughs> it definitely <laughs> was, came out during the summer. I just don't really? know what... I think it did. I feel like that that's like that that screams like first week of November. Hold on, we need to find this out. Um, I for the record came... like that movie. <laughs> no, I might be alone in that boat. Wish I liked that one more. Um Yeah. I I, I find it to be a fascinating aughts time capsule. Like I find it I you know, I find it very endearing for oh, nobody makes movies like this anymore, let alone get like Carpenter never made a movie like that up until that point either, and he never did again. <laughs> yeah. It came out August twenty fourth, two thousand and Oh, that that that's, spells confidence in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Just like the, the That's like the same weekend that the sequel to Anaconda came out. Yeah. That's also like Why do I the, know that? that level of confidence is like the same level of confidence as Lucky Stiff having three different taglines on its post. Poster, like, <laughs> oh yeah, let me pull this up real quick. Uh, yeah, a poster that I it was really fucking hard to find, but it, it also this other poster, the one on Letterbox, implies that it's like kind of like a sex, like a like an R-rated like like sex comedy because it doesn't look like she's clothed at all and she just has the bow tie on a fork, which I don't even understand what it's going for. <laughs> like, like, They're going to eat his clothes, too. That's how delicious he yeah, is. Yeah, apparently that's how... Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys see the French poster? <laughs> no. Yeah. Oh, it's so good with Joe Alaska with a big <laughs> apple in his mouth like he's a like he's a cartoon pig. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, wow. Oh, there's two of them. Yeah, there's... Oh, wow. I didn't see this one either. I'm dropping this in the chat, but I saw the one that was like a painted one, but this is... Le Dindon de Ooh. la Fache, uh, that one. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh you bet. Yeah. You know, the French, they love their farces. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. 
Now all I can think about, because I just watched the Frederick Wiseman talk, is like him being in part of the documentary where they like cook him instead. <laughs> Goodness. Where was I at? It's a little um, bit dry. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, number one song in the US this week is Kokomo by the Beach Boys Ooh. from the movie Cocktail. Shout out, shout out to Dan Mecca. And number one song in Canada this week is A Groovy Kind of Love by Phil Collins. Oh, Phil. Uh, plot description from Google for Lucky Stiff is brother and sister cannibals that played by Jeff Kober and Donna Dixon bring a likely candidate played by Joe Alaska and home for a family holiday dinner. Uh, that's, that's a pretty boring plot description. So I, I uh, wrote down the IMDb description and said, uh, a plump loser after being left at the altar by his fiance is invited to Christmas dinner by a beautiful woman, but her family are cannibals who intend to have him as the main course. Now that's a plot now, description. That okay. IMDb description yeah, sounds mean, but I will also have you know, and it is mean. <laughs> I will also have you know that pretty much every review or article that I read about Lucky Stiff and trying to read about it made mention of either Alaski's weight as well as made mention of Alaski's weight as well as Donna Dixon's looks. They like that was like every time they mentioned it, like obese, uh, obese Alaski, uh, you know, gorgeous, you know, like Dixon and whatever. It was just like I'm like okay. I get it. Maybe like you're probably not just like a little bit, bit too much or anything, but it's yeah. They're all like this fat shit and Mrs. Dan Aykroyd. And you're like, what? <laughs> yeah. what are we doing? You don't have to be in the eighties to write about this movie. Because they're all blogs from like two years ago. <laughs> and it's like former formerly Mrs. Dan Aykroyd, because I think they separated, right? Did they? Yeah. Well he probably finally saw this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, Didn't you did you direct nothing but trouble? Yeah, I think those. I think we're done here. <laughs> Remember when Dan Aykroyd played Britney Spears' dad in Crossroads? <laughs> yeah, that's something I think about often. <laughs> now you got to go out there because you're not a girl and you're not yet a woman. That's right. Yeah. Uh, written by Pat Proft, uh, wrote a lot of movies with Jim Abertson and David and Jerry Zucker, including the Naked Gun films. He directed one movie, Wrongfully Accused, in 1998, which he also wrote. Oh, um, a movie I loved when I was 10 and I'm sure would be absolutely insufferable now. That's the <laughs> yeah, Leslie Nielsen one where it's like a fugitive. Yeah, right? yeah. I've just seen it's, the yeah. clip where the train chasing him and like peeking up behind the rock, which is like a good gag, but that's like the one bit I've seen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's it's not one of Leslie Nielsen's better movies. Uh, when you're you know ten, ten years old and you think everything is funny, then oh yeah yeah yeah. Charlie, do you want like twenty minutes to talk about the Naked Gun movies? No, I, I mean that's the one thing that I was like, well, that and Anthony Perkins directing, where I was like, oh, maybe this could have some moments, and then I was just like, I, these are barely jokes. Like, like yeah. <laughs> do you do you feel like Pat Proft is like the hey guys, I have a joke, and the Zucker brothers are just like, yeah, okay, we'll put you that you co-wrote this. All I right, mean, he has <laughs> to be right. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's just the guy in the room who's like filling dead air. Like <laughs> yeah. they're they're like, okay, the no bad ideas guy. Let, let's yeah. just like get the. Get the room lubricated. Also directed by Anthony Perkins, primarily an actor, of course, but this is his second and final film directed. Prior to this, he directed uh, Psycho 3 in 1986, which I finally watched, and it's it's watchable. I don't know. Um, it's very much more an 80s Psycho movie than Psycho 2 is, although Psycho 2 does kind of have some of the sleaze, but Psycho 3 is like a slasher slasher, but... It's also like, this is the third movie in a, well, no, the second one in this one is just like, 
oh, he's he's out. What is he going to do? Is he going to snap? And they're just like, no, he's different. And then by the end of it, what do you know? <laughs> he killed somebody. <laughs> just like, he can't keep getting away with this. Um, but yeah, I'm assuming, it was, it was okay. I'm assuming Psycho 3 at least has personality, though, especially considering, you know, it's so integral to Perkins, you know, life and him as, I, a, as a creative force. This thing... I mean, I was excited because for at least to be like, what's he going to be like as a director? And like anybody could have directed this thing. <laughs> like there is no <sighs> style or a sense of any type of inspiration at all with this thing. I haven't seen it yet, but like what's the Jurassic Park quotes? Like they didn't, they were thinking about whether they could, they didn't stop to think if they should or whatever, like should direct it, you know? <laughs> I believe for Psycho 3, Anthony Perkins reached out to the director of Psycho 2. Who is that that did Road Games? Richard Franklin. Yeah, Rich reached out to him and be like, hey, you want to co-direct this? And he was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, starring Joe Alasky as Ron Douglas. Prior to this, he was the voice of Yosemite Sam and Who Framed Roger Rabbit in 1988. 68 episodes of Out of This World from 1987 to 1991. After this, mostly known as a voice actor, did the voice of Daffy Duck in the 90s and early 2000s. And most importantly to me, did the voice of Grandpa Lou Pickles on Rugrats. So, Holy shit, I didn't know that. Well, after the original one died, he, oh, he, was like a, he was like a pinch hitter, like a classic voice acting pinch mm. hitter. He okay. like showed up whenever people died to do their voice. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's got to be weird. Just be like the legendary voice died today and he's just sitting by the phone just like, right. I, can do like a, oh, I can do this. I can do this. <laughs> Jackie Gleason's gone. No problem. David Doyle, original voice of Grandpa Lou Pickles. <laughs> ah, OK. I'm in. Isn't like, you know. like half of the episodes with Grandpa Lou Pickles in them are like, now Grandpa watched Tommy, and he's like, "All right," and then he's asleep he's in ten seconds. Yeah. Which hell yeah! yeah, no, no. yeah. Joe, La- Joe Lasky known for his amazing snore, his fucking <laughs> lifelike yeah. snore. Everyone's like, "Damn, that guy can snore." Get him on the phone. Yet that family get keeps him the, putting get him on the horn. And they keep putting that Grandpa in charge of the babies who then cause havoc in every episode. <laughs> put him behind this gate that they always break out of that is easily to break out Joe of. Lasky, I, I need you to snore through this episode while these babies reenact Hanukkah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Rugrats is great. Remember when they got all grown up and they looked like fucking Cronenberg creatures? And shit? Yeah, it was upsetting. <laughs> Remember when they went They looked CG? like Tim Burton guys because their heads were so huge and their bodies were really tiny. They all had little... Yeah. Little and it's, you know, they're barely the same characters but also like i would have loved an all grown up if it was actually like realistic about them being teenagers like one of them's gay one of them's addicted to drugs like one of them's super into new metal <laughs> yeah oh, the time chunky. would have been appropriate i think that they grew up around like 2001 anyway so. yeah yeah <laughs> Let's see, and Donna Dixon as Cynthia Mitchell prior to this, 37 episodes of Bosom Buddies from 1980 to 82, uh, Twilight Zone the movie in 1983, Spies Like Us in 19, 1985, after this Wayne's World in 1992, Nixon in 1995, and The Sweet Blood of Jesus in 2014. Oh, oh fuck, um, I forgot about that. Yeah, I'm sh- I don't think she was a lead, but... Uh, yeah, it was really weird. There was like a twelve-year gap, and then Spike Lee, and then like nothing else. Yeah, really weird. Uh, who was she in Wayne's World too? I think she's like cameo. Like, mm. I think it said her role was Dream Woman, so I'm pretty sure it was Aww. just a cutaway gap. Man, that's a little bit sad. Uh, I think one of the reviews I was uh, I saw that was positive for this movie from the time that it was being reviewed on home video said like, "Oh yeah, shows like real range. It looks like there will be like better roles for her on the rise." And I'm like, not so sure about that. Like, or, or I'm not so sure that was like the career path that that. 
was that laid out for her, unfortunately. Or, like, it, that's not what happened for her. I will say, I don't think anyone could be good with this material. Like, let's, I mean, not to get my thoughts no. on that, but, like, it's... Joe Alasky is, like, he's got he's got two ropes and he is pulling this movie like a like a tie yeah, he really <laughs> and it's amazing how bad he and it still are yeah. <laughs> he's like pulling the rope but like it's against his neck he's pulling it like back against his neck he's strangling himself with it's the rope really like, god it's really terrible yeah yeah don dixon's fine in this though yeah sure yeah i i only know her from a gag from the first episode of simpsons where Homer has to list all of the reindeers, and at the end, he just has Donna Dixon, and they say, sit down, Homer. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, trivia. I only have one trivia fact. The original title was Mr. Christmas Dinner, which is honestly a better title than Lucky Stiff. It's more honest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bryden, did you, uh, you did some sleuthing? What did I you did. find? I did. I tried. Um, I mean, Perkins, like, you know, in this Fangoria article that I found from, like, when the movie was being reported on, it just sounds like he was, like, the wrong choice for this. I mean, because they, I think they talked about in one of the articles, like, how, like, you know, Psycho 3, I mean, you watched it, Kevin, like, it sounds like it's a pretty violent movie, like, it's pretty gory, at least. Oh, yeah. But, like, oh, hell yeah. Perkins seemed kind of averse to all that. Like, he said, like, you know, I don't really respond to the subject of cannibalism either, and I consider myself a good choice for this because I felt I could work around the cannibalism. I'm like, well, yeah, but like the movie's not scary. And then he's talking about how it's a comedy first and foremost. I'm like, yeah, but the comedy's bad. So like the movie fails on both fronts. Um, it, doesn't he say that uh, he's like, this movie's got things that I, Anthony Perkins, straight, straight laced nerd, hate. He's like, this movie about cannibalism and incest. And you're like, there is a lot of cannibalism and incest in this movie. And it's so boring, and you can tell the director hated that the movie had cannibalism and incest. Well, yeah, it's yeah. PG. I mean, and it's which which it's it, insane. You know, uh, hamstrings it. You know, it's like um, and it was one of the reviews that was um, that was uh, that I read. It was like a home video review. So they they compared it to uh, the Bob Balaban movie Parents, which is also about cannibals, oh. uh, which is a fantastic horror comedy and actually like genuinely creepy and like funny and like has like a consistent tone throughout and like you know visual panache and everything and i'm like thinking yeah like i mean i never would have thought i wouldn't have thought to compare about it although like parents came out in 1989 around this movie around this time this movie was coming out in home video and everything it's just it's just like wow yeah like that like just like completely blows that this movie lucky stiff out of the water but yeah i was also thinking about eating raul while watching this movie too i need to see that yeah which Uh, is a good one yeah also cannibalism comedy yeah yeah I'm thinking back when we used to do, like, props of, like, the opening of our episodes, where it's like, you know, what are your favorite movies about work? It's like, what are your favorite cannibalism comedies? Imagine what you're doing that, just, like, sitting around 20 minutes that one Say something. you were a cannibal. Uh, Hypothetical. Let me throw that out there. Trouble every where day. Where would I start? Yeah. <laughs> trouble every oh, day. Yeah. So funny. <laughs> so, old, yeah. The one episode uh, of Always Sunny in Philadelphia where D, uh, where D and Charlie <laughs> think they're cannibals. <laughs> that, was the, yeah. that was the first episode I ever saw of that show. <laughs> And I was like sold. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, but Ravenous has jokes, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I, Ravenous is that's a good one. Yeah, Ravenous is a dark comedy. Yeah, I need to watch it. I need to watch that. I'm surprised you haven't seen that one, Kevin. That seems up your alley. Yeah, I know. That's like, like right down the middle for you. God damn it! Okay. Um, uh, but also, like, why is this a Christmas movie? Like, I don't understand why this is a Christmas movie at all. <laughs> I mean, it's barely a Christmas movie. Like, the house has it's like Christmas, Christmas lights. It, it, like there are so many details in the script that like get you 
that like justify a plot that doesn't make sense in the first place. They're like, it's a Christmas movie, obviously, because all of the cannibals are getting together for Christmas dinner. So they have to eat a fat guy. And you're like, no, sorry. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why not Thanksgiving? Yeah, yeah. The traditional eating it holiday. Does not Excuse me? Make any sense. And they don't even, not to get too ahead of ourselves, but I was like, it's funny how I, this is the kind of movie where I was like, God, I wish I was at those locations that they were filming, but I was also like, wow, they don't utilize the settings or a sense of place in this thing at all. But I was just like, that looks like a nice place to, like, you know, hunker down for for a nice few days, but they don't even make it that appealing. It's like me looking at stuff in the background that the shot is not even like trying to focus on <laughs> yeah. nice house shame about the cannibals living there yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> real shame yeah. hey cool cool ski lodge uh i guess dining hall it's too bad, too bad that all the slopes seem to be from unrelated footage yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame all the kids here are assholes <laughs> Just the one kid who's like, I will kill this man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then he was just like, I will drown you in chocolate pudding unless Lin Shay comes by and tells me to stop. <laughs> that was that was the funniest bit of the whole movie where I was like, this guy's going to kill a kid. Yeah, that was the one part where I was like, okay, this has potential. Like, It would have been funny if the kid died and then she was like, no, I just fell in there. <laughs> and My then bad, they just Lin brushed Shea. it off. <laughs> yeah. I saw Willy Wonka. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Doesn't he even call him Porky Pig? Is that supposed yes. to be a joke, like an in-joke of, like, he voiced Porky Pig? Like, is that supposed to be the... Uh, um, I don't think this movie's that smart, Charlie. Yeah. I don't think... Oh, I really don't think... So I got a few quotes that really, like, just make me think about, like, man, like, it doesn't even sound like the makers of this movie were that confident. Um, uh, So the DP of this movie, uh, Jacques Haitken, he apparently shot, you know, speaking of New Line Connections that we often find in this miniseries so far, uh, he shot Nightmare on Elm Street, which we'll talk about later in this miniseries. Oh. Um... That's wild. In this Fangoria article, it says, uh, Haken points out that if Perkins positions the actress on the marks he wants for the upcoming shot, they won't really be in the same place, places they were in a scene shot several days earlier. Perkins admits he's well aware of that, but says if the audience is paying attention to small details of that nature, Perkins and Haken have lost the battle for their attention already. I just wrote brackets, <laughs> yep. <laughs> I mean, like, it is like a weird thing where, like, you know, characters are, like, jumping out of the frame surprise each other. I'm like, I feel like the way the scene's set up, like, you would be in full view of that person. Like, you know, like, at, at the end of the movie when, like, the one brother's wife is, like, you know, attacking Jeff Cobra and everything. I'm like, can't Cobra, like, see that she's right in front of him in that tree or whatever? She's, like, jumping up, like, she's <laughs> yeah. coming, like, side, you know, like, jackknifing or whatever. It's, it's There's, so like, a lot of hiding and, like, jump, not scares, but, like, jump punchlines that make no visual sense because the camera <laughs> the camera just doesn't move and then Perkins no. doesn't know that it can move yeah also by the end of this thing there's no snow on the ground anymore did anyone else notice that that, that, that all of a sudden it just looks like they shot it in the middle of like oh yeah it's a summer summertime <laughs> well, like, yeah. classically they start out, your Christmas they movie they start in like Covina or wherever the hell or wherever that lodge is they start on Covina then he goes to that lodge and then they fly to wherever her family is based so I guess like they fly in up far enough away that like it's not snowy there but like yeah it's not really yeah much happens oh right no right you're right that there's some bit there's snow because like there's uh there 
I'm, I'm, I'm honestly, the movie's a bit of a jumble. I can't remember which part. Of the uh, no, I'm, I'm, it's fading. It, like, like Kevin mentioned before we started recording, like it's dissipating, like by the second. <laughs> like, I, it, 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 it's, there's very few things to grasp onto in this thing. Yeah, yeah. The only, th- only thing I really remember is they go to like some store at like I guess like three in the morning or something and look at jackets. Um, that's something that happens. That was crazy. <laughs> I was like, th- I was like, nobody affiliated with this movie has ever been to a small town. <laughs> yeah. They were like, we're going down to the local store to get some Christmas presents and it's like when they're talking about it, it's midnight when they're driving it looks like it's 3 a.m. <laughs> yeah and they arrive at somebody's house basically and the house has like like an intercom built in like a PA system <laughs> sure that that's like all hello all shoppers and you're like this is a living room what are you talking about what do you, what do you mean what do you mean yeah, it's not small town America. This isn't just like and for shopping. We just go to the nearest hillbilly and loot their closet. <laughs> <laughs> I do love movies that are like this. Is what poor people do, right? Like it's just drink so, water from you know. your radioactive waste sites. You know that's oh yeah. yeah. Speaking of sets that like you, you were saying, Charlie, that like are kind of like striking. It's like they don't. They never really comes back into the movie. Like they set it up like it's gonna nope. be like this big thing. It's like no. <laughs> so many things don't pay off in this movie. That never comes back. The cow statue. Oh god. That yeah. he fucks and fucks him never comes back. Oh yeah. Yeah. The c- that was very strange. Did anyone else think Paul Blart Mall Cop while watching this at times because the, oh, cow, because the yes, cow scene? Absolutely. I was like, this is like this. Did this predict Paul Blart Mall Cop? Like that, it's that type of humor. I haven't <laughs> seen Paul Blart in like fifteen years, so I don't. All remember. the all the all the physical comedy is like like trash to your Sandler yeah. stuff, and then all of the running gags because because Joe Lasky never shuts up. It's like eighty solid minutes of Joe Lasky just like riffing. Yeah. All of that stuff feels like Rodney Dangerfield is on Quaaludes wandering through a film. Yeah, there was a <laughs> retrospective on Pop Matters by Bill Gibron uh, where he was talking about movies that like like Lucky Stiff that were kind of like abandoned uh, by pop culture. I would say in this case, rightfully so. But he talks about like how uh, he describes Alaski's performance as saying, uh, why Joe Alaski never got another leading role after this film is just plain flummoxing. Not if you see this movie. Um, he is amazing here, doing the sad sack, unlucky, and love loser bit with just enough self-effacing irony to keep his character from becoming a total creep. I'm like, you're right, though, Jacob. Like, he never stops making jokes or, like, weird quips, even, like, in, like, yeah. the most dangerous moments. I'm like, it is way too much. It is more than enough. There's, like, knives flying at him. There's, like, body parts <laughs> he gets, he's holding where he's, like... Yeah. Yeah. He gets drugged multiple times. He gets oh, yeah. drugged, he drugged multiple, multiple times. times. He wakes yeah. up and he's like, man, when I'm around you, I sleep a lot anyways. <laughs> yeah, that's an actual line. My, my favorite part of the whole movie is when he pretends Joe to have Alas- sex with Joe- his fiance. <laughs> Joe Alasky, I mean, that was crazy. <laughs> Joe Alasky, sh- sh- somehow, a, sh- a shapeless man, with no personality, somehow lands Donna Dixon. He's like, this is amazing. I've, I'm, I've landed this cannibal woman. I don't know that yet. I'm flying to meet her parents. The second he walks in the door to meet her family, he like starts eye-fucking his, yeah. his, his like... <laughs> Her her brother's wife. Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, hello, and you're like, what? <laughs> yeah. You just got here with your hot date. 
fucking I got annoyed. Was that a leftover sound effect from Lucky Stiff? I mean, that seems like, I mean, yeah. that is like the level of this movie. Yeah. Like pops off, like, no, yeah, it yeah. was, uh, that's copyrighted. I'm sorry, you'll have to strike this or your podcast will be taken down. Not to mention he literally got, like, left at the wedding altar, like, and then Donna Dixon immediately, immediately comes into his life. And he <laughs> keeps, I don't know how this man keeps running into and conning these beautiful women. Are they all trying to eat him, do you think? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Um, because his fiance like leaves 30. him at the altar, and then he's just like, "Well, what a shame." Anyways, I still got presents, so that kicks ass. <laughs> that um, scene—they couldn't even come up with a joke for that scene. Like, no, like, like it's not a joke for her to be like, uh, "Bye." Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was wondering. I was like, "Why are you leaving this dude? Give me, give me like a cool reason. Are you like gonna go hook up with like?" A bodybuilder or because there's like a guy we meet at the yeah. ski lodge who's like i'm into spray tanning or regular tanning and my hair is nuts i have this like carefully curated mullet <laughs> like th- there's this like 80s mega douche and i was like oh my god this would be a perfect time for another 80s mega douche yeah to be in this movie but alas also did they just go to the same altar like it's like everyone at that wedding chapel just didn't leave for like a day <laughs> they were like maybe he'll come back they're, they're like <laughs> ron will pull this off he always does <laughs> <laughs> he'll be back he'll be same, back with another one in the exact same positions <laughs> the the movie not only starts with him getting left at the altar it starts with him doing a trying on montage of suits and none of them fit because yeah. he is fat <laughs> and it, none of them fit in like the dumbest way possible where you're yeah. like oh, of course he went to a custom tailor who wouldn't have any idea how to dress somebody to their size <laughs> so they're just like like a, a button is hitting this guy in the eye or uh, they're <sighs> cowering in fear at the size of this man <laughs> do they even <laughs> yeah they're like oh white giant man do they even have any lines i'm pretty sure it's just no. like reaction shots no they just have reaction shots it's so yeah. upsetting the only lines they have is hello cops please come here i mean but yeah and it's it, it really is like the thing like perkins not knowing how to play this movie i mean like again it's the thing of like why did he make this movie because he says like he wanted to diffuse the horrific elements of play up the broad humor which involves incest as well as cannibalism as we mentioned he says those are taboo subjects to combine them with violent attitudes was an inescapable no i not only wanted to mute and remove the violence i really wanted to play down these subjects i'm like why'd you make this movie then like it really it doesn't make sense i have a i have a theory okay that anthony perkins is a dweeb first and foremost and that's easily provable but number two i think he was associated with horror for so so long Mm -hmm. that psycho three he's like i'll lean in this movie he's like i know how i'll destroy it from the inside i'll kill horror movies (laughs) (laughs) what he he does talk about how he's like worried about like where horror movies are going like you know in like this uh Cine Fantastic, where he like says like you know he thinks like he's very critical of splatter films, which he called the dangerous trend as well as bad movie making. Talks about how numbing those that's art that is. That's like basically like quoting it, and it's like yeah, some of those are better directed than this. Like it's uh yeah. He made this the same year the remake of the Blob came out. Okay, fuck, I need to oh, see well. that. Come on, yeah. 
It fucking kicks ass. <laughs> it's it's gross as hell and a lot of fun. The special effects yeah. hold up. But even, like, I'm thinking back, too, because, yeah, we keep bringing up, obviously, cannibalism, but also incest. Why? In like, it doesn't need to be about... Incest is, like, kind of an afterthought, and the only reason I can think of it even being included and why Anthony Perkins would want to include it is because Psycho has some incestuous, like hintings at but like it has no need to be in this movie at all yeah and it doesn't even really say anything like i mean i think of another sort of gross out like horror quasi comedy movie from like this era of like society the brian does the movie where like that movie is like dealing with like you know this and like i guess like it, it, it that movie like it, where it where there is incessant eating people and or anything there is like you know kind of uh like a comment on like just how fucking gross and like you know insular the rich and uh high society people are and like how just over the top disgusting they are and like how like the main character he's like i'm fine with being an outsider because this is fucking weird <laughs> like uh, whatever you're doing and everything and in this movie i mean i don't know like the, the glamorous people who are uh i don't know wealthy and look nice like donna dixon uh, to be evil whereas the guy who feels like he's a loser is normal i guess even though he kind of sucks, in my opinion, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't know about you guys, I'm trying to hang out with these incestuous cannibals instead of this guy. <laughs> wait, 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 I hope that did not sound like that's what I was saying. I was in favor of it. It's so weird because it even undermines that like thematic reading because it's not like, like, like Donna Dixon, character, her character is what, Cynthia? So Cynthia and her, her weird brother well, Cynthia is like the only one who is glamorous. All the other ones are like messed up hill people who everyone's like, <laughs> oh, welcome to the hoedown. We're in the real boonies now. And like yeah. Joe Lasky is as guilty as everybody else in the movie as being like, God, I'm out in the I'm out around I'm out in the sticks around all these, you know, bottom feeders. Well, now. Yeah. I will say the one also I get the one guy who does look a little bit. Uh, fancier than some of his other family members is uh, the uh, the brother Darrell, who's like I think says like he studied like the ministry or something, which also shows he's weird, I guess, because like you know like maybe he's got this weird kind of religious fanaticism uh, to him, and he's the one with like the wife that uh, that uh, Alaska lays eyes on. Uh, but yeah, everyone else like yeah, it's like very very much like you know country stereotypes. It's interesting too, you know, at this this is like you know as we said Perkins' last movie. It's interesting reading like the quote uh, from uh, from. Fangoria where it's like I don't think you know he died of HIV like only a few years after this and everything he didn't make that public until like uh not long before his death but uh he says you know like it's just interesting to hear him like talk about like with like real clarity about his own sense of mortality Perkins he says whatever happens happens whatever I end up doing I'll keep doing or I'll change my mind I'm not a long-range plan guy not a five-year plan guy I'm very much a minute-to-minute guy. I've been lucky enough to live this long. I think with most men who live to be a half a century plus, if you've been accorded a few extra years, you tend to try to make the best of them by not being too uptight about it all. So my entire philosophy of life is very relaxed. I think that's like a really nice quote. I mean, this movie's not good, uh, but but like it's, it's I don't know. I, I, I think that's like, I, I do have like a bit of respect for Perkins, you know, taking that approach to life and everything. Just sort of like, well, why not just like try this and everything while I have this time on Earth? I don't know. I, I It's a nice quote, even though I don't like this movie and anything. And uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I like I like that quote, too. I think it makes a lot of sense that he would say it after shooting this, especially if it's like a movie that was crude with a bunch of like studio folks who are like just journeymen who go from like new line to new line movie. If they're like, this is how movies are done. You go here, you do this, you shoot this. It has to make sense. And Anthony Perkins is like, no, 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 man. Slow your roll. I, 
I've had to be the psycho guy for so long. Just let me like fuck around with this one. Mm -hmm. Like it makes sense that when he would be doing interviews, he would emphasize he's like, I was the most relaxed one on set. And I don't understand why people can't have this philosophy. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you mentioned the new line connection because I did want to mention this bit of trivia. And we'll get into initial thoughts. I'm sorry for taking up any time. But uh, so I mentioned this was not a new line connection, but I noticed that one of the um, the second unit DPs on this was Don Burgess, who later became one of uh, Robert Zemeckis's DPs. You know, I think he shot like Castaway and What Lies Beneath and Allied and stuff, uh, which are some gorgeous looking movies. Also, uh, Russell Carpenter, who was credited, credited on digital camera, he shot Titanic, True Lies, Hard Target, Ant-Man, Avatar, Way of Water. Uh, he also was the second unit DP on um, Nightmare on Elm Street, Dream Child. The third unit DP on Nightmare on Elm Street, Dream Master, did additional photography for Critters. So it is really, really cool, like the extensive like new line connections that are there. And it's just funny how like, we keep running into that, like really like working with like, the same crew members that are like just getting like all the same people working with people that are working on movies you're like hey i'd rather be watching that <laughs> i want to watch i want to watch even like the second worst nightmare on elm street movie over lucky stiff <laughs> the creator of police academy and the director of psycho 3 put their heads together there's only one way to describe the results a comedy one here has reason why these two should not be joined. Me! I don't think she understood the question. Yes, I did. About a big guy and a beautiful girl. And when she brought him home for the holidays. Don't waste any meat. Not enough. What if your parents don't like me? I guarantee you they'll eat you. They made him feel like one of the family. Oh, gee, your hand's freezing. Better get some clothes before it falls off. But there was something strange about them. Discover their secret. We love people. We know how good they really are. Before supper time. How does dinner look? You look delicious. I'm not a test. I'm the buffet. Lucky stiff. Nothing a cold shower and a rub down with steel wool would cure. I mean, we've talked about if you just want to give Capsule initial thoughts. I have no initial thoughts other than movie bad. So, uh, Charlie, what, what, what did you... Uh, I mean, yeah. If you can remember this movie, do you have initial thoughts? Uh, I still have some some moments lodged in my brain somehow. Uh, you know, it's just, it's a terrible movie. I mean, like, if you're interested in Anthony Perkins and, you know, his work as an artist, I'd say seek it out. But otherwise, like, there's nothing. I mean, I texted... Uh, Jacob, I texted... Um, Kevin and Bryden that the, the, it's just the the whole movie's just that joke in The Simpsons where Homer just goes, I'm a terrible father and Patty and Selma go, you're all so fat. That's <laughs> 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 what this whole movie is. I mean, it's it's it, it feels bad to like kick a movie that doesn't exist like this down and just be like, it's awful and Anthony Perkins directed it. Because like, it's not like it, it, it truly is awful, awful, awful. And at the same time, it doesn't exist. So it's like, <laughs> it's like one of those things where it's like, you don't need to bring this into it. <laughs> like, I, I don't, I don't know. Like it, it, it's exactly what you might think it is once it, or if you're curious about it and you watch five or 10 minutes and you go, is this what this movie is? Yeah. That it, it just keeps being this for another 70 minutes. And then yeah, like, eh, it's, it's just kind of sad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Brighton? I thought this was terrible. Um, I, I think um, oh, yeah. it's like the kind of movie where like it was like 80, uh, like 82 minutes. 
credit, I checked, like, I was like, when did the credits start rolling? 78 minutes? Because I think you and Charlie watched this before me, and I was like, I, and, and Jacob, you watched this before me, and I was like, okay, I need to know, like, when the credits start rolling. Um, and uh, I was, like, just still checking, like, sort of, like, moving my cursor down the line. So I have, like, another 30 minutes left? Okay, that's, like... I know. Uh, <laughs> often when that happens, I'm like, that's, like, just a little bit longer than a sitcom episode. You know, I'm just like... <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, like, terrible. I mean... Oh, the, the thing that really signals how bad this movie is going to be is, like, the music that starts up, where it's, like, all, like, the bells of, like, the sliding strings and, like, the j- the jingly twinkles that keep topping off, like, the melodies. I'm just like, oh, no, you're already, like, putting too much salt on, like, the sandwich to, like, make this, like, seem, like, peppy or anything. It's just, like, dreadfully underlining every terrible joke. And, like, the jokes, like you said, Charlie, are not even jokes. It's, it's kind of, like, the annoying thing, like, in some comedies where it's just, like, well, if I say something that's just really transgressive in of itself, like, that'll be enough, right? Like, you know, like, when they say, like, you know, even Hitler had a girlfriend and everything, when, like, they're talking about, like, to underline just, like, I guess, I don't know how pathetic, like, uh, Alaski's life is, and I'm like, it's not really funny. And then, like, apparently, but then, like, they're like, well, let's do it again. <laughs> like, we'll, we'll, we'll keep, like, hammering that home and everything. And, like, they keep asking, like, how his groin is, and, like, keep saying, oh, he's alone, and, you know, at his table. It's just, like... Not funny the third time. Uh, yeah. Also, in regards to that, don't they also, like, is the joke that they don't know who Ava Braun is? Because don't they, like, just say, like, I bet she had a mustache or something, like, stupid. And it's just like, okay, so you're also all idiot. Like, I don't, what? What is this? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's just, and, and that Pop Matters piece that I cited, uh, they said, like, that the movie, I, I, I would love to know if there were people, this movie did actually have a minor cult following, as it says, because uh, I had never heard this movie before we did our miniseries, and it's also hard to find uh outside of like i mean a, you can start a cult with like three or four people <laughs> yeah but they were talking about like it's like you know started a cult thanks to its quotable dialogue and they cited the, like the lines of like the porky pig quip and also the uh that the hitler had a girlfriend thing i'm like I feel like if i said those like just like it's a casual conversation like a secret handshake or something why are you calling the cops yeah <laughs> imagine going up and calling someone who is overweight porky pig in the year 2023 no one's gonna be like yo it's oh, from the movie like, lucky stiff from 1988 why are you punching me yeah. you don't remember yeah. like the horse the horse around carriage i'll say it outside keep the horses running come that's on and it's, that's my top tier material <laughs> Yeah, and, like, there's, like, bits where, like, I'm, like, it's, like, I mean, like, you know that the movie's going for funny because, like, every performance is, like, just, like, pitched to 11 or anything where, like, they're, like, just, like, you know, arching their eyebrows and, like, squawking their dial, like, a top volume and, like, you know, to make sure, like, you get that this is meant to be funny. But, like, scenes just, like, will, like, end with, like, weird buttons and everything where, like, it'll just be, like, dead air, like, for, for, like, a few seconds or anything and then it'll just, like, cut to them, like, going somewhere and it's just, like... The, the buttons aren't even like really good punchlines. It's like really it's like, lazy. It's it's like they aren't even written to have an ending. It's like the scenes just give up and then they're just like cut and then they're like that that's it. And then everyone on st- in front of and behind the camera is just kind of like I guess like it's not even. What more do you want from us? Look. Yeah. <laughs> and the timing is off because like the, the staging is off too and everything where like characters are reacting to each other. But like, and even though like you see in the movie that is in front of you that they are sharing the same frame, it like it doesn't seem like they are or anything. Uh, like I mean, like I said, like with the tree bit, where like you know at the end of the movie, like you know when Francis is like fighting um, Ike and everything, it's like saying he shouldn't be like blinds, he shouldn't be like you know you know sideswept by her and everything, like jumping out of that tree and everything, because like he can probably see like right in front of her that like she's like standing in that tree, like right there. It's so bizarre, and. 
<laughs> on that, can I say also Please. on that note, yeah. the the insanely blocked scene where they go to the um they go to the post office and they get all the packages that are so clearly like limbs and whatnot. That seems like kind <laughs> of funny. That's like a funny idea where like the obviousness of the body parts is like kind of the joke. Yeah, but like except that like the person like they're not even the, the guy at the post office isn't even looking at the people that he should be looking at the entire time. And I get that that's part of the joke, but it's also like you can't. None of this makes any sense whatsoever <laughs> like yeah it's because like, it's like it's like at one point he's like staring them down and then he's just like you should you can't toss packages that way and i'm like i get that that's the joke but like you're not even looking at it like the person that you're supposed to be yeah it doesn't milk it for like proper tension like a good black comedy would i like it, no. it, it the scene ends like you know 30 seconds later like after like that did, after he like sees it like the span of him like you know them putting the packages down, that guy seeing it, thinking it's weird, and then approaching them. Like, that Like that takes place, like, so quickly, and everything, and then the scene's just over. It's just like, God, oh, you're not even, like... Even, like, the like the the minorest bits of uh, this movie that are amusing, like, just, like, don't work. Realize minorest is not a word. The most minor bits in this movie are, are like, just, like, they don't work. Like, the happy... And, and, like, the movie also, like, having a happy ending, it's, again, one of those things where it's just, like, this movie, like, if anything, should be... I don't want it to be meaner because I don't want more fat jokes against the expense of this character, even though he is very unlikable in the movie. I don't I mean, dislike him for that reason. It's that, like that, that, that's the thing, though, is like it's it's mean because it's safe. And like, I know that's that sounds like an oxymoron. It kind of is. But like, it's ultimately like if it w was trying to be darker or more self-aware, it would actually be less offensive. <laughs> yeah, it's got no it's got no teeth. It's like full of birthday card jokes. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's like it's great comparison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just running through birthday card jokes like nonstop. And, and uh, you know, with subject matter like this, you think why choose a subject matter if you're going to run through the softest softballs you could possibly get just like make any other movie yeah and right? why have a happy ending like i mean i knew that it was gonna have a happy ending i guess because like yeah. i knew um when like francis started laughing at alaski's jokes i was like well she must like it because like these jokes are not fucking funny <laughs> but but yeah i mean i mean i don't know it would have been funny if like she had turned out to be like also a cannibal or whatever like there was some closet weirdo or anything like that yeah but like oh the, no the, uh, the film also implies that it's a happy ending for her which is e even more dark in my opinion that <laughs> like <laughs> yeah at I... least at least if you're with the cannibals you wouldn't be bored like i don't know can you imagine just the lesky stick for eternity <laughs> Gosh. Yeah, and and like I mean, it, I I gave this like one and a half stars because it is truly fucking bad. But like, there are like, I I didn't see Psycho three. I'm probably not gonna watch it because like the the word on it is like you know not especially positive and everything. But like, it might have been this movie is like dire whenever it tries to be funny. I feel like the moments where it does work or show any kind of stylistic flair is when it is trying to be kind of moody. Like when they go to visit that that small town shop. Yeah, it's like riddled with like small town stereotypes and everything. But it is like. There is, like, some... I do get some sense of stylistic choice when, like, you know, the guy is, like, you know, completely in shadow and, like, he's only in the light when he's, like, just talking to, like, this couple or anything. And then, like, the moment they go into the store, he's immediately recedes into the shadow. So I'm like, okay, it's kind of a cliched choice or anything. Like, you know, I've seen, like, a lot of movies that do that. It's, like, you know, shadows equal ominous mood and everything. But, like, you know, it's, like, there's, like, something going on here. Whereas, like, the... And, like, some semblance of timing 
with suspense and that one like bit in or anything, but like then like the the comedy is just like dreadful. I mean, it's just like and it's like the Perkins like you know saying like that's like the thing that he really became interested in. It's just like that's like what dooms this movie. It's yeah, just dire. I, I've been talking a lot about this. I'm curious, Jacob, what uh you you chose this movie to talk about it, right? I'm curious what like sort of what why you gravitated towards it and coming on the show again. We're happy to have you, of course. I'm just I'm curious what what struck you. Well, one because I'm I'm stupid as I'm stupid as hell. <laughs> proudly no. uh been been dumb a long time looking forward to Hell being yeah. dumb <laughs> for a lot longer uh but but i think like everybody i was i was curious to see if anthony perkins had any chops um and my theory for this movie is well one he has no chops <laughs> and two this is not an anthony perkins movie this is a pat proft movie yeah. he was totally totally completely railroaded by this pat proft auteur project where he's like, I am going to make the worst Zucker Abrams Zucker movie you have ever seen. And it will be my little project because he didn't direct a movie for another like decade. So I imagine he had like a first time or I guess a second time director and who was interested in comedy. He was like a known comedy guy. I'm sure he was like, just look, just stick with me, Perkins. We're going to, we're going to really make something hilarious. And it is like his film the whole way through and it sucks. It's so bad. But Proft and, and Joe Alasky are like best buddies on this movie because they just it's like a nonstop comedy fest and there's no visual sense. Like there's like one visual gag and it's that um body parts in the mail yeah. scene that you that you mentioned earlier. And that is one like the closest the film gets to being funny. I was like, oh, it's a gag. Finally, a gag. Look at that. But it's also one that I don't think any director had to have any input in. No. Like, that is so clear in my mind how you would lay that out in the script. It's like, you just, it's like two sentences. It's like, all the packages are clearly body parts. And the prop person's like, yeah, no problem, dude. I know, how to, <laughs> yeah. I know what to do with this. I got a bunch of those lying around. And then even the mood that you mentioned, like, I don't think Perkins had anything to do with that just because we know who the cinematographer was. We know what his background is. I'm sure Perkins was like, uh, okay, it's like a, it's at night and it's kind of spooky. And the guy's like, say no more, my man. I, I got it. Yeah. I'm good. I've done this a billion times. I think Anthony Perkins was just around uh, for this, movie, which is unfortunately very disappointing because that's what I was interested in seeing yeah. is if he had any, um, you know, any personality to bring behind the camera. Yeah, and it's the thing, I mean, yeah, he like he, he quoted like about like you know the Pat Prof script. He said, like, not that I was trying to put my stamp on it or my imprint. I was just trying to make his work slightly more along with lines of how I thought the picture would work as material. I'm like, you didn't want to put your imprint on it? You're the director, dude. Like it's <laughs> not at all. He looks at this thing and he was like, Pat Prof, you mad genius. Now to just pour my whole milk all over it because I'm an idiot. <laughs> How did this movie get pitched? You know, like there's so many, like you know that old saying of like usually you know people fat come people in, ride. you Go know, on. but but like, but it's also like if X and Y had a baby, that would be my movie. Like, what two movies did they pick for like <laughs> like pitching this? Like, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre two, yeah. You know how it's I mean, gory and funny, yeah. What if it was neither of those things? How much do you need? That prof is doing all sorts of like high concept comedies in like this era so like maybe it was just okay we've got police academy we've got real genius we've got moving violence we've, we've got like all of these comedies that are just like set in a place 
do you have any other comedy ideas? And he's like, what if it is a uh, 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 spitballing, spitballing, spitballing? And he just thought of, you know, maybe he just read about the Donner Party or something. Yeah, I I will say Real Genius is actually like a pretty solid movie and everything. But that's also why, like, you know, Martha Coolidge was like an experienced director at that point and like has Val Kilmer, like, you know, megawatt movie star performance at this lead and everything. Not Joel Lasky (laughs) to be directed by a second time director who doesn't even really seem keen on making choices as a director. It's, uh, yeah. Uh, But also, Naked Gun, the first one, came out the same year. So, like, I mean, the TV show was on. Yeah, the same year. I mean, the TV show came, uh, from the Files of the Police Squad came first, but... Which prop worked on. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so... Yeah, it's it's a shame. (laughs) Something I found found interesting about prop's work is, because I was like, well, if we can't learn anything about Anthony Perkins' future work, because there was none we can learn maybe from his future work. And then I learned he wrote on every scary movie sequel after three, oh, three, yeah. four. Those are yeah. Pretty dumb. And I was like, this is so illuminating. <laughs> Those are, whoa. I saw Even scary wrote- movie three, maybe three times in theaters. It's f- the epitome of comedy. I at love the, time. the idea of like, like a fun young writer's room making a scary making the fifth scary movie sequel in 2013 and you have a 60 year old pat propped in there like <laughs> i know, I know some joke like. i made a movie with anthony boykin <laughs> and then 10 years later the kids 10 years later they love Lindsay lohan jokes 10 years later it's like i worked with the guy who created chernobyl before uh, when he was writing comedy movies okay grandpa let's get you to bed <laughs> 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 I, I I keep forgetting Scary Movie Five existed, and I'm looking up the cast right now. So I didn't know Simon Rex came back. Ashley Tisdale is in this. Molly Shannon is in this one. I think like nobody from like one through four is in five. I, I wrote Mr. Magoo, which the director of Police Story Three directed. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Simon Rex came back after three and four to be in five. He's the only <laughs> recurring cast member, and oh, thank man. God he's doing better work now. <laughs> I will say one thing that I just forgot about, you know, we didn't see Anthony Perkins direct again after this, but I, I, I was remembering, oh yeah, his son, Oz Perkins, is now like a horror director. He did like Black Coast Daughter and Gretel and Hansel. Uh, I mean, I like oh Black Coast God, Daughter. Yeah. I thought that was solid when I saw it at the time, but uh, I haven't seen his other work. I, I was bored by that movie. Yeah. But I'm not, I would never People not... dig the shit out of it. Some but yeah, people love it, so maybe I was in a mood. I don't know, and it had little Sally... I like that, it, I like that movie. It had little Sally Draper killing people, and some... Yeah. So, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. But I'm way, I'm way more hot on I Am the Pretty Thing That Lives in the House. I like that movie a lot. Oh, mm. I, I, oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a Netflix that movie. I need to see that. That's a, that's a good, that's a good Netflix right there. Huh. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm gonna have to watch Hansel and Gretel, which I've... I did you, people are what? all over the place on that one. It's like, a pre-pandemic movie too, like right it. before the pandemic, which is yeah. weird. Um, I, yeah, I. Oh my god, and he acted. He acted a nope. I forgot. Huh? Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. He was. Um, oh, who? He was like he was the director. He was like the commercial director that like came in. Oh. Um. Huh. I do know that he is the weird guy in Legally Blonde in their group. That's that's the only acting that I know from Oz Perkins. Yes. <laughs> He's currently also in not another teen movie, but I uh, oh wow don't remember that. Two and, uh, there's a subplot. 
Remember there's a subplot in Legally Blonde 2 where she finds out that her dog is gay? <laughs> Remember that? No! I, don't, I never saw Legally Blonde 2. There, there's like, like uh, I, I mean, I saw it back when it came out. The only thing I remember about it is like, our dogs won't stop humping each other and they bring it to like some sort of specialist or professional and they're like, your dogs are gay. And I'm just like, what? Is it like a chihuahuas are gay, but like like a big dog's not gay joke? Yeah, I think. Or is I it like know. more tasteful? I, I, I have no idea. Or, or, or it I mean, it had to be. <laughs> I don't know. It's legally blonde. Who knows what the crazy thing is like? The second one is, woof. It's like, it's like they forgot it was a comedy and they're just like, what if she took over the White House? It's just like, guys, I'm here because uh, Reese Witherspoon was funny in the first one. Um, this, is, this is pretty bad. I do have a book. It's called, um, I forget what it's called. I would have to look, but it's basically talking about the july 4th weekend that that movie terminator 3 and sinbad came out and just basically going through all of the 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 post-production and like the marketing of all of that and how they brought so many like uh focus groups together for like legally blonde 2 and everybody's just like yeah this isn't funny <laughs> and they're like shit what do we do <laughs> um but yeah any any final uh lucky stiff thoughts i have a feeling nobody will have any i hated the music you're right the music the music made me so mad yeah. <laughs> i'm <movie>. also curious <laughs> they say the expression of like you know making like a lucky stiff is i don't know if like that was like a common expression but like, i had to look it up afterwards I, like a, yeah, i had to look it up a, too a very <laughs> lucky person i feel like that that title doesn't work if uh, they don't explain it in the movie or like i, I feel like that's a, or maybe you know Last week, you know, I, I, you know, a couple weeks ago when we were talking ladies' club, I didn't know what a Tupperware party was, so maybe you know, lucky stiff is a meaning that was just like that. I'm just not as familiar with, but it was like kind of scratch my head. Yeah, something I thought of last night, even though I mentioned earlier that this is barely a Christmas movie, I thought to myself, is this the worst Christmas movie I've ever seen? <sighs> not including like the Lifetime, like hallmark ones because saving christmas deck the halls is really bad from what i remember oh yeah oh i never i never saw saving christmas i never saw deck the halls this cannot compete with the worst holiday movie i've seen which is uh holiday in handcuffs Um, with melissa joan hart and mario lopez okay that sounds fake but sure i need to look this up uh melissa joan hart snaps and kidnaps mario lopez and takes him to her family christmas dinner it's a lot like this movie actually (laughs) It's a lot like Buffalo 66, honestly. It's from the director of <laughs> Tremors, Ron Underwood. What? Wow. Wow. How the mighty have fallen. Yeah. <laughs> what else oh my has God. my man Ron done? Oh, my Pluto God. Bash. This is an eat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They let my man make movies after that? Well, the poster of this is just... <laughs> Not really. The poster of this is so morbid and macabre. <laughs> She's literally, like, he looks dead. She's just dragging him through the snow attached to a handcuff. <laughs> it's, an e- it's an evil movie. Yeah. It's, a cr- it's a cruel film, for sure. <laughs> That's saying something, considering it doesn't look like there are cannibals in this one. Uh, like, unlike Lucky Stiff. Uh, the movie without the cannibals. Lucky Stiff is is a cruel movie but only because they are just relentless about joe alaski's weight which like he's moving like a spry guy he's fine everyone just like leave him alone oh wow holiday in handcuffs is like deeply homophobic and uh, what jeez very strange you're serious i mean it's it's melissa Melissa. okay i mean yeah i thought she was in like nine god's not dead movies but i guess only one okay i'm sorry (laughs) i'm sorry melissa joan hart uh the second one of course okay yeah. Directed by uh, Harold Chonk. 
Harold Kronk, my bad. Yeah. Speaking of evil movies, The First God's Not Dead is truly one of the most hateful things I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I got together with a friend and we drunkenly watched it and, like, we were laughing for, like, 45 minutes and then I'm pretty sure by, like, an hour, like, by the time the movie was over, we were, like, horrified. <laughs> like, practically hiding under the couch type of thing. <laughs> like, that movie was uh, filling every single movie theater in Oklahoma when I was graduating Jesus college. Jesus Christ, I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, I can see that. It was everywhere. It was like every screen, every multiplayer. To give you a sense of the political climate uh, from when I graduated high school, I graduated high school in 2017. Uh, in my religion class, we watched that movie and also PragerU videos. <laughs> you had to watch wow. that in a, You had to watch that in school? Yes. <laughs> Well, I went to a, I will say I went to a Christian high school, so like you know the the the, the guys I did, I guess that makes us watch it. But the preview thing, I was like, wow, what's this? That I'm, uh, that I'm watching, and like years later in college, I'm like, wow, thank God I didn't get indoctrinated with that. That is, oof. there's going to be kids like definitely in Oklahoma because I'm pretty sure uh, a few months ago when Sound of Freedom was coming out, that was like it took over every theater. There's definitely going to be kids watching Sound of Freedom in school, and that's just. Uh, oof. Just advocating for homeschooling at that point. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Almost Major. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Please follow the pod on Twitter at Almost Major to keep up to date with what movies we will be covering in the future. Myself, I can be found on Twitter and Letterboxd at Kev Bonesy. Bryden can be found on Twitter at Bryden Doyle and on Letterboxd at J Doyle. Charlie can be found on Twitter and Letterboxd at CTNash91. Once again, thank you for listening. <laughs>